Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. guys, I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. On the channel, we've got interviews, podcasts, and content on all sorts of subjects. Mental health, football, serial killers, films, TV, conspiracy theories, writing, music, and more. All our shows are available in video format at youtube.com slash acepodcastnation, or audio at all the usual uh, radio podcasting apps, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio. Apple Podcasts, far too many to name. Today's show, something a bit different. My favourite, favourite type of show to record. Instead of me doing hours of research, finding interesting questions and subjects. Loose. <laughs> yeah, it's just just let the people decide where it goes. All I've got to do is copy and paste them from emails and Instagram and Twitter and stuff. So this is episode number 12 in our series, Unscripted and Uncensored. It's a completely unique series because, like I said, all the questions and talking points come from the people, the viewers, the listeners, the fans of the guests. So it's always inter- always interesting. I've got no real run through after the initial bit. No, uh, no subjects, no questions, just what you people have sent in. It's going to be fun. Going to go off the rails. Absolutely. Going to go off on all sorts of tangents. But uh, oh, yes. just the way we like it. Uh, so... My guest for Unscripted Uncensored today is former Scottish international Aberdeen, Bolton, and of course the mighty oh, Cardiff City. <laughs> the mighty Cardiff City, Mr. Kevin McNaughton. Welcome, Kev. How are you, mate? Yeah, all good. Just cooped up like everybody else, but yeah, I'm all good. Can't complain. Make, making the most of the lockdown. Making the most of the lockdown. I got to refrain from calling you Super Kev all the way through because that's literally all I've called you for like the last 
10 years or something. It's saved so, on uh, as well, isn't it? <laughs> it is saved on my phone as Super Kev as well. That's what I've said to my missus and my kids. Super Kev day today. Super Kev day today. But uh, <laughs> it is what it is, I suppose. It's, uh, it's a pleasure yeah. to have you, pal. It's a pleasure. Um, yeah. what and I look, look, I look forward to putting the people's questions to you and uh, see what you say. But uh, before we get into the, the, the people's questions, uh, today's show brought to you by Away Day Apparel, as modelled by myself. Fast becoming a brand on the casual scene. They uh, continue to grow organically. You can check out their website at www.awaydayapparel.co.uk. Uh, Instagram at awayday underscore apparel and Twitter at awaydayapparel. Some big, thing, big things happening big, for the brand big, in the big. coming weeks. And uh, joining us for another cameo is the big boss man yeah. of the brand and a legend in his own right, Mr. Alan Jones. Welcome, my friend. How Thank are you, you, my friend? That's some introduction. Thanks, man. I'm flattered. Yeah, cheers. Sorry, mate. That's, that's it. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's the only thing I'm good at is the introductions. After that, yeah, it, goes it, all, it, all, go, it all goes downhill after that. <laughs> I can do a good yeah. introduction, though. But um, obviously, especially for, for viewers, listeners of Ace Podcast Nation, if you use the code AA Podcast Nation, all in lowercase, you can get 10% off all orders at awaydayapparel.co.uk. Use it at the checkout and it's AA Podcast Nation, all in lowercase. So, get on board. We, uh, yeah, get it. Get the stuff. There's also there's um, got some limited edition bubble hats as well. I've got boxes full of them. Boxes full of them. Please buy them. Yeah, can't move. Is it a blue and you've got the blue and yellow ones for Cardiff? Got, uh, uh, Cardiff. Blue and yellow like a, look like a Robin Friday kit. And then I've got another, another one with just a logo right on the outside. They are on the website, but if you want me to pull them out of a bag and show you, well, but it'll take up too much time. It's all about Kev and me tonight. So. It's all about Kev. It's all about it's Superman. All about Kev. Honestly, mate, I, I can't wait till people people hear some of the questions which people have sent in. It's so, <laughs> so random. I, I prepped him earlier for the Brahma as well. So he knows he's <laughs> from me. <laughs> so we all, like I had a chat with Kev yesterday. You spoke to Kev earlier as well. And uh, I spoke to you earlier. And uh, one of the things which we came up with was a certain clip, which uh, I got to play just so we can all react to it and see it. Because <laughs> it's, it's, leg it's legendary. Go on, you go for it. Go on. Kevin, I asked you about it earlier. I said you had two, like literally two meters to decide where you were going, right? And when it was replayed on the telly, <laughs> your eyes were directed at a certain lines person. And it was a great talk and, uh, you know, a debate went on and on and on and on. And like you said to me earlier on, the only, you know, your only regret is not patting on the back and saying sorry. But there's a game to get on with. But that was one of the funniest moments watching uh, Cardiff live on TV for me, getting shot, taking clean out. Die, fair play. Bless her. She lasted longer than yeah. you did, though, Kev. Yeah. I took it with the stick, but I, I, I never actually, I never meant it in the first place. But I've seen the video a bit a million times now. If I was to watch it, uh, <laughs> yeah, I would have thought that I meant it to be honest with you. I've seen it, uh, yeah. The only thing I got was just no picking her up and making sure she was all right. Um, yeah. but it was, wow. the, it was the middle for a game. Um, oh, it's probably one of the worst games I've played the whole season. I think 
Oh, my head is my head is frazzled by that point. It was only about 10, 15 minutes left. I think we're three 0 down. So I was just yeah. No, but definitely I never meant I never meant to I actually bumped into her about two weeks later. She was lying with again two weeks later. Yeah. Uh, oh shit. She was oh, no, she was she was she was instead of the yard further back that time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She came, straight over, she, yeah, she came straight over and said, uh, I hope you're not going to do that again. I said, I'm sorry. I was like, oh, I watched it back. So, so bad. But um, so, I was getting all sorts of abuse in the newspapers. Yeah, you really got some good It was just lucky that uh, Samuel Bin Laden died about three days later and took a wee bit of heat off us to be fair. Put a <laughs> well, do you know what it is, right? So I've watched it for the first yeah. time in a while today when I downloaded it. And what gets me... You go on YouTube and read the comments. That's the best. I will. I'll, I'll have to have a look at them after. Watch the walk away as uh, as I play it now. Watch you, you flatten it and then you just stroll away Flat as there. if like... Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Let's have a look now. Just, just watch... Oh, <laughs> Taking out this Messi, our assistance. Yeah, I can't I can't play for too long because I the video <laughs> will get taken down. But uh, it's just a walk away. He doesn't care. Doesn't doesn't no. care. No. Heartless. Yeah. Brutal care, brutal. Yeah. Yeah, almost, almost, almost nasty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised I was an injured to be fair. <laughs> well, to be fair, she got it. My injury record, yeah. I'm surprised I never got cut it off to be fair. If I was on Alloyd, she'll be rolling. Yeah. On. <laughs> <laughs> nah, fair play. That would have just got on with it. Um, but yeah, got a, got a fair amount of abuse for that. Got a few, actually, got a few death, death threats to be fair. I got a few. I was thinking, Kev, all the time I've been watching Cardiff, um, other than Mark Delaney, I can't think of a, a right back we've had that showed the work great and the passion for the club. And, you know, just a general, you know, you knew what you were getting out of you every, every single Saturday, Tuesday night, whatever it was. And, as a loyal Cardiff City fan, and I'm, I'm sure I'm speaking for thousands of others, well, probably smaller numbers when we're in Indian Park, but I mean, certainly when we moved, uh, you know, thank you for the time you spent with us. Your, your commitment was never in doubt, and uh, if I was managing, you'd be the first name on my team sheet anyway, so that's, uh, well. that's genuine, of it? Yeah, yeah, nice one. Spot Appreciate on it. We'll move on, Dad. Pre-season trip in Seville. We were playing Charlton Athletic, and uh, a few of us were sat behind you when you were on the bench, and you just started having our sleeve done, didn't you? Our tattoo sleeve, and we were all taking photos at the time. We only had the last supper done. Since then, yeah. I think you look, you look, you covered from head to toe. You look like uh, yeah, you know, from this, uh, completely covered. Bar my, my back, really, yeah. my back, my bottom, my back. Yeah, it's a bit of a labour yeah. of love, but I, no, I do like my work. Fair play, man. That's what I was going to say. You know, moving on to your heart, I don't know if many people are, you know, are aware, you know, that I've obviously follow you on Twitter and I've seen the artwork that you've been producing. It's incredible. Um, 
So I, I don't know, you can plug out yourself because obviously <laughs> you know, I, I, I was speaking to you earlier about possibly commissioning a piece of art. Um, yeah. I don't know if any of the viewers are aware Kev is and has been for some time you know, doing some incredible paintings um, and they're available on his Twitter page and available to purchase. Um, take it away, Kev. Yeah, no, I just uh, started doing it as a sort of hobby towards the end of my career and then just somebody asked me to buy to buy one of them um, and then just when I, when I stopped playing I thought, you know what, I'll just set them on website and I'll start um, selling prints and stuff and just took off from there really. I've not, I've, to be honest with you, I haven't done really a lot recently, I've been doing a lot of coaching with um, Dundee so a lot of my time's been spent coaching but um, no, I just try to get back into it now. Um, but we've got a website set up where you can buy prints. And uh, if you drop me an email on the website, I'll do commissions as well. Um, but I'm fairly busy at the moment, so. Um, yeah, perhaps we could do something like a little collaboration with, with a t-shirt for the brand as well. Perhaps we'll have a chat about it again. Sorry, my kids are running a bit. <laughs> uh, so perhaps we, we, we could do a little collaboration, perhaps, with the brand. Yeah, you know, exactly. The Norton collection. It would be interesting. <laughs> eh? so, uh, but uh, that's all i got to say, mate, to say thanks for the, thanks for the time you spent with us. I'll leave you to Simon. He'll, he'll take you well off the rails here, so you get another bottle of Backfast out and enjoy the next hour and a half. Yes. Over, uh, <laughs> then top man, and I'll drop you a message about that painting as well. All right. Yeah. Over and out, guys. Top man. Cheers, guys. Yeah. Nice one. Top man out. I'll see you soon. Cheers, guys. Tala, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Top man. So, Alan, the Namio, he likes cameo. He comes minutes as a chat and then he goes in there, goes about his day, leaves the hard questions to me. So, okay, right. So, like with these unscripted and Sensor shows they are fun because they're just all random questions, and because it's all different people, they all just ask different stuff, different things. Some people ask about football, some people ask about other interesting stuff, shall we say? Don't want to give it away yeah. too soon, yeah. Just gotta, gotta save it, gotta, gotta build up to the difficult ones. So, um, <laughs> Tough like, we've, we've had a few, pre yeah, that's it. We've had a few different guests over over the 10 episodes of this series. Obviously, we've had loads. We've got a, a lot of other series. We've had Rodri Giggs. We've had Alan, who was just on. We've had uh, UFC fighters, Brett Johns and Jack Shaw. We've had Shed Seven, lead singer, Rick Witter, Danny Batten, Cody Davis, Gavin Gwynn. I'm sure I'm probably forgetting someone, so I apologise to them. But, uh, yeah, they're always fun, always interesting. But what I like to do before I get into the the kind of into all the questions and and this because we've got quite a few viewers and listeners from like France and from uh, America and Canada. So for the people maybe who are not as familiar with with you or what, what you're about, um, I like to just ask my guests to kind of just give like a a brief idea of like where they grew up and where they how they got to where they are today, basically. Yeah, so I was brought up um, in Dundee. It's a wee town just on the east coast of Scotland. Um, started playing football from a young age. And my brother was um, was a decent player. He was a couple of years older than me. And 
just joined a little club called Celtic Boys. From there, they got scouted by Aberdeen and then headed up to Aberdeen as a YTS at about the age of 16, 17. Headed up there, stayed in Aberdeen for about six, seven years. Uh, managed to get myself the first team there. And yeah, just from there, um, my contract ran out at Aberdeen, so uh, at the age of about 23, and had a sort of decision to make. I had a few few clubs at the time, a few various clubs um, offered me a contract, so I was quite lucky. I had three or four clubs, but um, I went down and spoke to Cardiff. Um, they were really, they were really keen to sign us, so they offered me three years. So I thought, yeah, it's a good chance for me to sort of, you know, to, for me it was a chance for the club and for myself to try and, you know, stake a claim to play in the Premier League, which is obviously a league that everybody wants to play in. So yeah, that was that was the main reason for joining Cardiff, um, and. Uh, yeah, so eventually got there. Took a lot longer than <laughs> than I wanted it to, but got to the Premier League eventually. Got and there. it was a bit of a roller, a roller coaster along the way. Yeah, it was. Um, it was a real crazy couple of years for the the kind of year where we went up, and the year that we were up there was a. Uh, like that, the first time we went up with uh, when Marky Mackay was manager, was it was really it was quite bittersweet for for a lot of people. Obviously, with the you had the rebrand um, and stuff like that. What was that like for the players? Do they do the players really care? Like whether it's red or blue, or were they aware of the issues that it was causing within the fan base? Like the year we went up and the year we were got up. Obviously, it was quite tumultuous with the brand and stuff. And I was just wondering what that was like for the players, because obviously for the fans, it was quite bittersweet. There was a lot of turmoil. There was a lot of arguing, a lot of protests. Does, did it, do players care whether the kit's red or blue, or do they just want to play, want to play at the highest level and they want to... Not that, I'm not saying in any way that they don't care about the club. I just mean in terms of grand scheme of things, they want to play Premier League or as high as they can and doesn't really matter if it's red or blue or was it all they're aware of the problems off the field? No, I think I think everybody was aware of the sort of issues that were going on. Um, it was sad because we actually had probably one of the tightest groups of players we've had in terms of you know, how close we were together, so it was strange. Just if anything, it kind of brought us together. Um, I, I felt sorry for the sports. I, you know, I'm a bit of I'm a traditionalist like anybody else. I I supported Dundee as a kid, and if um, the strip, if they change if they change the colours, the strip, then no, I wouldn't be happy about that. Um, so no. I completely understand that from a fan's point of view. Um, but again, you've just got to try and be professional. It's difficult. Um, I bet. Um, did you get every time you went out? Did people ask you about it as well? Like when you were out and about? Yeah, I got, got a lot. Of, got a lot of 
questions uh, before, during, after about what was going to happen, and then obviously it was just put into into. I think first the chairman uh, put the idea about and said he was going to invest a lot of money in the club. But he wanted it to be in a way that could, you know, suited sort of Malaysian traditions and the colour and, you know, the. he just wanted to tie it in with that. I don't think he had any bad intentions about it. I just no. think, I didn't think he quite realised the importance to supporters or the, to the guys who've watched the club for years and years, um, how much that means. Um, I think he just took that for granted a bit. Um, so obviously, for a supporter, they become became a wee bit of a bitter because it was obviously fans still going to the game, and it, you know, you could sense that. You can definitely sense that at times. I know a lot of, I know, I know boys who, they're friends of mine who ended up not bothering going to the games because of it. Um, I I've not been back. You've not been back. Nah, no. so yeah, so it still lingers on. Um, oh, I tell you, I went. I took my son. On his birthday this year, it just had just gone in February, and that was the first game I'd been to since. Uh, so I I went to one game in the Premier League season, which was Man United home, and the only reason I went to that was purely out of a uh, like a personal thing because I used to watch Man United with my father when when I was younger, and he died when I was sixteen, mm. and I felt like I should go to that just you know just because because of him more than anything but that's the only game i went to all season after going pretty much most games for the many seasons before that yeah. and i think like people used to give me grief for it but i know people i know i know people who've fallen out with like lifelong friends over like one side wanting to stop going because of the rebrand and one one side just wanted to keep going and they, I think, as far as I'm aware, they still don't speak to each other, which is that's just really sad that a, a, a long term friendship would break up over something which was, you know, nothing really to do with them in terms of they had no control over the, the what it was. Yeah. It was completely out of their hands. But it is what it is, I suppose. I was, I, I, what that was a question for me, really, because I was interested yeah. just what it was like. It was difficult, but I think the fact that we were quite a quite tight knit team and we actually, you know, like we just kind of banded together that season. I don't think we actually played that great football this season. We got promoted. I think we were just, I don't know, we just we were just rough around the edges, but we were we just had a, a team full of grafters and we had one or two boys who could score goals. I thought, you know, so. I think that's just the ingredient to get out of the championship to be honest with yeah. you. I think we played better football in the past and we've just not been able to get up. I think teams that play good football and get up, generally they seem to be the ones that stay up, but um it's it's difficult to find a solution to getting out of that championship playing football. It's not easy. Yeah, it's funny, like both times Cardiff have been successful in going up, they've probably played the least attractive football that they've played yeah. in the last 15 years those two seasons whereas you know other seasons they would when you when you were there when you had like yeah. Chopra and Bothroyd up front and you'd be playing a, a, unbelievable football 
my first season there, my first season at the club was the, the best football I'd been a part of, to be honest with you. The first, especially first first three months of the season was, you know, was, we were flying, to be fair, and we just hit a major, we just, for me, we just didn't have a good squad. We had a good start in 11. Yeah. As soon as, as, soon as we got boys injured, we were toiling. Um, and the amount of games you play, you really need a good squad. A good squad gets you out of that league, apart from, you know, a good team, yeah, you can get away with it. But when the injuries happen, you're playing 46 games, there's going to be guys missing games. So it's difficult. And I think that's what took its toll on us that season. But I thought definitely we played some of the best football I've seen. Um, and probably, oh, yeah. I'd imagine Cardiff fans would probably agree with that as well. Yeah, 100%. There was um, some quality, you know, it's had some quality players over the, over the years. And for whatever reason it's kind of fallen apart a lot at the last hurdle or in the last portion of the season just seems to be one of those things um right so before i just go on to the questions from the people Mm -hmm. um we're going to do some quick fire questions where i ask you just 10 questions you just got to say the first thing which comes to your mind is most of them are just like uh either or either or questions so uh okay quick fire questions uh oasis or the beatles oasis uh who's the best james bond of all time sure uh rock music or pop music rock messi or ronaldo messi uh who's the better singer stephen thompson or susan boyle susan boyle 100 (laughs) percent Uh, Eminem or Tupac? Uh, Eminem. Uh, Van Gogh or Banksy? Banksy. Uh, best TV of all, best TV show of all time. TV show of all time. On the spot. Match of the day. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Uh, best movie of all time? Shawshank Redemption. Excellent. And finally, uh, Liam or Noel? Liam. Good shout. And that's the quick fire questions. So we'll start with, uh, as soon as we finished up with the Liam and Noel, uh, what sort of music are you into these days? Uh, I still listen to stuff that I <laughs> Listen when I was growing up, you know, I liked the ocean colour scene, Oasis, um, I think it also, there's a few new bands that I like, like, I want to see it. Sam Fender, quite like his stuff, um, Paolo Nottini, I like that, just that sort of vibe. Yeah. Kind of open to a lot of music, to be honest with you. But, um, so, do you like, um, do you, do you tend to stick to that type of music or will you listen to like other stuff like hip hop or like heavy metal nah. or whatever? Like, no, no, nah. Just... me and Marshall used to laugh about that. Um, because the music and the changing room was see, towards the end of my career, I couldn't stand it. So, <laughs> I... who, was it? who was in charge of the music then? Then, oh, it wasn't me, it definitely wasn't me. Um, I don't know who it was. The chops used to be always have the. Chops used to have it, and Roger Johnson used to have it. Oh, Roger! 
Roger. Roger's music was horrendous. Like, yeah, I, someone who was it? It might have been, it might have been Andy actually said. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Some, well, someone who I had on the show said Roger Johnson has got terrible dress sense and terrible music oh, sense. It's waste. He's got plumbing. Twenty-two waist as well, so he's <laughs> hang off his arse. <laughs> he was just, <laughs> uh, just yeah. His music was brutal, but me and Marsh used to laugh because by the end of the season, I knew all the words to all these rap songs. I used to say, <laughs> Marsh in his ear. So I was giving him, I was giving him a few lyrics by the end of the season. <laughs> so he was just looking at me like, "Oh, this is brutal. I hate this." Excellent. Did you um? Did you do you like used to listen to certain music like if you're working out in the gym or if you're getting ready for a game oh, and stuff like yeah. that? I used to boys used to have an iPod the last couple of seasons. The boy had boys had um I think it was a, a laptop or something that just sat at the side of the, the room. So you were able to just put on put on Spotify and I used to put on eight days, eighties classics and I used to, <laughs> everybody in the gym used to just turn around like what the hell is going on here? <laughs> George Michael and that coming on. <laughs> yeah, just as they're getting ready to pump some iron and that. Yeah, we've got George Michael going on. I'm <laughs> getting the guys going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what you need. Excellent. What about um, like uh, match day, like routines and superstitions and like food or drink or whatever? Like... I used to just want to get there early. I was always the first person in. So. I was there 30 minutes before we were supposed to meet because um, I just was uh, paranoid. It was one of these people who always forgot things, so I had to just have everything just set out. Uh, I used to take anti-flams and stuff, so it was like kind of routine. I had to take anti-flams at this time, eat my food then, and just, uh, yeah, because I was, I'm not the most organised person, so I just... Thought I'll buy myself a good 30 minutes here so I don't make an answer. And towards the end of my career, I was I had a few ailments, I had a bit of a dodgy hip. So I used to go and see the masseuse, uh, a lad called uh, Paul, who did the uh, massages before the game. Um, so I used to get a good 30 minutes with him before I went out just to, to actually limber up a bit because. Yeah, loosen up. Yeah, I was the stiffest guy in the world. So. I used to take a wee bit of stick for that as well. <laughs> so you're a, you're a bit of a like, bit of a worrier then, like in terms of just everything no, by the sounds I, of it. No, I was um, I was just really badly organised, so I, I would worry about having things right. I, yeah, I was a bit superstitious with shin guards. I had the same shin guards for about must have been about seven years. So if you want to see the state of these things by you know, any new player that came at the club was like, what are those things? What's going, what are you putting on your legs? They're not going to protect you. It's <laughs> <laughs> been as well just putting a newspaper down there. It's got an echo. Tuck a couple of echoes down the shin. Yeah. Oh. Was that bad? So, funny enough, you mentioned shin guards because my, um, my son, who's 15, he wanted to know. Um, he said, every time he sees professional footballers putting in chin pads, They've always just got like the singular bits of plastic, which you put yeah. in your socks. Yeah, that was whereas, so... whereas like all the shin pads which the kids have got, have got like the full 
ankle piece and all that. And he wanted to know why the professionals always seem to just have like a singular one, which they tuck in their sock. Well, I don't know. I think just because it's a wee bit lighter or whatever it is, but I had the full shooting match. That's why I used to get pelters. I had the cricket pads on, basically. I was ready to go out for uh, opening the batting, really, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there was, took a bit of stick. But yeah, a lot of the lads just, I think it's just because they're light and they don't feel like they're, you know, I don't know what it is, to be honest. With you. I, I found it really strange when I put them in. I, I didn't really like wearing the, the small ones. It just didn't feel right. It just didn't, you know. Just, ends, just feel like they're going to break. Like, yeah, I like, I like going for tackles and that soon coming out, you know, feeling like my legs are still intact, so I didn't like wearing them. <laughs> well, that's it's always a bit, always a benefit in there if you come out without uh, without big like scars down your legs. Yeah, but, um, what was the worst injury you ever had? Uh, ruptured my Achilles. Um, oh, that's a nice last season. Run. That was at Inverness, that was the last season. That kind of just that was like, um. The gun to the head, really, that finished me off, to be honest with you. That, 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 that was, that was what put you down. Yeah, that was me. I was lame after that, to be honest with you. Jesus. <laughs> All the other ailments were just uh, put to one side, and that was the finishing move. Um, but no, it was... I did it really early on in the season. I'd only played about eight games. Um, and oh, the rehab for that, oh, I couldn't... I wouldn't wish it on anybody, you know. Just getting up in the morning, how stiff it was, and... Oh, it's just I had, to, I had to inject my stomach with uh, a blood thinner for the first six weeks as well every morning. They're uh, horrible, those are those blood. Oh, I've had those many times, those blood thinner ones in your stomach. Oh, they're just not nice. It's just no enjoyable experience, really. And I, no, I was on tramadol, which was oh, coming off that was bad. To be honest, with you. I was on that for about six weeks. I would, yeah, coming off that was flumming. That's some funky dreams when you have that stuff. That's horrible. Stuff. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So when you were when you done your Achilles, then did you know when you were laid on the floor? Did you kind of know that was it, or did you try and come back from and from it? And I tried to come back. I uh, tried probably the hardest I've worked to get back. Um, went to the gym. Just going to the gym twice a day. You know, I just I thought, you know, I'll just have one more crack. I just want to get back before the end of the season. Uh, so I did. I was always good with my rehab. Um, so I think that's maybe why I always, well, the injuries I got were, um, they weren't really ever, they never recurred. They never had any recurring injuries in terms of like sort of ruptures of ankle. I ruptured my ankle once, which was bad, but because I did the rehab properly and it, you know, we had good physios at Cardiff. Uh, Sean Conley, a really good physio. He works with Wales now. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just part and parcel of being a footballer. I think certainly younger lads seem to cut corners, which um, you can't you can't get away with it. No, and they just come back then, don't they? Like You, you just yeah, get like niggling, niggling injuries in the same, same places all the time. Yeah. So after that ruptured Achilles, did you play again for Inverness after that? Yeah. Got back fit by the end of the season. Only played about three games, and we were fighting relegation at that point. Um, so I was in and out of the team. I was struggling. It was one of them. I I'd missed the whole season, so my fitness levels weren't great. I was just I was basically getting fit as the season was finishing. To be honest with you, so yeah. We got relegated. Um, 
the manager there at the time asked me to sign for another year and help out, um, help him out a wee bit. So he got sacked a week after he'd offered me this. So yeah. <laughs> it was like always the way. The thing was, it was uh, after that, I was like, this, this is a sign. I was just like, it's on up. I could do this anymore. I don't want to go around trying to find another club. The last three years of my career, I, had, I broke my leg. Uh, I, I snapped my hamstring from the bone and then I ruptured my Achilles. So I was just like, nah, enough's enough. Yeah. That was enough for me. Some painful stuff, that is. So um, so now you're coaching uh, at Dundee, you said, wasn't it? Yeah. You enjoy that? The youths, yeah. I've just just been trying to get through my coaching badges, really, to be honest with you. Just finished my B. Um, looking to start my A license, so just it's good. I've learnt loads. That's say quite refreshing with some of the younger boys. Really good bunch of lads, and you learn loads from younger players. That um, I helped out with a few older teams and reserve teams, um, but you, you learn so much more from the younger players. Um, I could see. I remember Craig Bellamy saying that he wanted to go in and do the youths first and try and learn, and I could see why he thought that because. Yeah, you have to you have to go through things with a fine tooth comb, you know, just in terms of technique and how to do things with the players as well. So yeah, I've enjoyed that. It's been it has been pretty challenging though. What um what's what's Craig Bellamy like? Because he gets a bit of a bad rap for his attitude and his he's quite uh feisty, should we say. But um like the very few people who I've spoken to who either know know him or have played with him, have said that he just expects very, very high standards of everyone. Yeah, I, I learnt loads from Craig. I thought Craig was just coming here for a bit of a jolly up, to be honest with you. Finished mm. his sort of career the last couple of years. and just. Um, but no, just in terms of how he goes about his business. I learnt loads, actually, in terms of how he trains and how he looks after himself. Um, yeah, so... In terms of that side of things, he was he was brilliant. I know he was always good to me. He never ever gave me any bother. But you know, he he could he had he's somebody who just doesn't have a filter. So whatever he's thinking, it comes out. Um, so some people don't take it as well as others. <laughs> see, <laughs> see, I, I like I, he, was never, I, he, was, he was always good to me. So I would say a bad word about really in terms of that, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. It's it's weird because, like, for me personally, I rather people who haven't got a filter and say exactly what they think, because you know where you stand all the time. Yeah. So, I, I my wife's like it. She'll there's no kind of in between. She'll say what she thinks, and that's it. And I like it. I I like that. And it's. But some people, like you say, they don't uh, they don't always like the direct approach. And I'm sure, like, you know, Craig's not backwards and coming forwards in terms of telling people what he thinks as well. So I'm sure that could upset people in some ways. But do you think he'll, um, do you reckon he'll make a good manager one day? I think so. I think so. You just, I think one thing about we having to be a manager, you have to, you know, you have to leave no stone unturned in, in terms of how he goes about things. Um, you'll succeed through being meticulous, really, other than anything else, because he does that with through, through his football. And if he takes on his coaching, you know, I think he'll be pretty successful. 
Yeah, have you got a deal for you personally, like you're doing your, your coaching badges and your coaching at Dundee, is the ultimate aim to go into manage, management or is it more the kind of coaching side you're interested in? Probably coaching, really. Um, enjoy coaching. Um, you just you wouldn't rule things out in terms of management and stuff like that. Enjoy that. You know, I've had to take a team myself for a good six months, so that side of things as well. Having to obviously organise things as well is it's a bit of a bit of a learning curve as well. So things like that, yeah. Nah, I'd take on anything really. You know, give it a try. Yeah, it certainly wouldn't. wouldn't. Did you um, did you do any like player temporary player manager like caretaker player manager jobs towards the end of your career? Did you get the opportunity? No, to do I, helped like out, I helped out with Um Came in as sort of number three. Um, I didn't, you know what? I didn't do a lot to be honest with you in terms of the coaching side of things. I was want to be a bit more hands on. We had the other youth team, but um, they actually they had a load of injuries, and I ended up putting the boots back on and played for another eight games. <laughs> so I ended up just becoming a player, which I never wanted to go in and do. I wanted to just go in and sort of learn the ropes in terms of coaching. So I'm not yeah. sure. Which had basically done nothing of it, so it was a wasted experience for me. Really, um, I just ended up playing about eight or nine games. We managed to avoid relegation, and then, to be honest with you, at the end of the season, I was just like, "There's no point in me being here," so I just left. Fair enough. Well, um, what? Who? What? Who did you support growing up? Uh, Dundee I was a Dundee fan. Um, yeah. Pretty much all the way through. They played with Celtic boys, so I had a bit of a soft spot, soft spot for Celtic because all my mates were Celtic fans. And um, but now nah, I was I was brought up a Dundee fan. Um, Dad used to take us to the games uh, with the old sort of old terrace, and so that's it was quite refreshing to come back down to Ninian Park. To be honest with you, um, seeing the old terrace and, um, in Scotland, obviously the, the pretty much ninety, well, one hundred percent of the. In terms of Premier League teams, they don't have any terracing, so it's good no. to come back and see stuff like that. So, um, so I think it makes a difference in terms of atmosphere. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Proper grounds. Mm-hmm. And um, you also, at Ninian Park, the the away fans were by the the loudest part of the, like the loudest part of the Cardiff fans as well. So you'd have the banter going back and forth. But then when they moved to Cardiff City Stadium, the kind of loudest portion of the Cardiff fans are at the opposite end to the away fans. So that combined with the the kind of shape of the, of the stadium and the seating and not terracing just completely killed the atmosphere in terms of, you know, what it was. You know, there's been days where the atmosphere has been good in the Cardiff City Stadium, don't get me yeah. wrong, but it's not the, it's not Ninian Park in terms of atmosphere, but then not many places are, I suppose. I think the problem is, I think the Cardiff City Stadium needs to be pretty full to sort of make an atmosphere. Whereas Ninian Park, you could probably have, you know, half it yeah. You could still have, you still have an atmosphere. It would still be an atmosphere because the con- fans would congregate together. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. In terms of that, I think that's what that's, I missed it. I missed it to be honest with you. I, I know a lot of teams used to hate coming to Ninian Park. You see, I hate oh, yeah. it. You know, the surface was always half decent, but it was just the, the, the atmosphere, the changing rooms. I mean, the changing rooms were 
I remember actually signing for Cardiff, turning up the stadium. I didn't, I didn't know anything about the stadium. I never, I'd only, you know, I'd obviously looked into Cardiff and uh, before I came down, but I hadn't seen the stadium. And the actual, I think the sea or something else, or the, 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 someone on the stadium, someone had t- was hanging off the letter <laughs> at a 45 degree angle, just as I was coming in. And then uh, I think it was Sam Haman at the time who stood in reception and he came over and I went to shake his hand and he just came over and gave us a big bear yeah, hug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, what's going on here? Yeah. What have you got yourself in for? <laughs> what's going on? And then we obviously went inside the stadium, which is it's not, it wasn't state of the art, you know. We just no, no, no. Give cupboards and, you know. I think uh, one of the secretaries at the time was in basically a broom cover doing his work. <laughs> so it was like, like yeah. it's through here because there's a wee bit more room. <laughs> yeah, it was a proper uh, proper old ground, wasn't it? It's, uh, yeah. Like even like the, the toilets were like just walls, basically. <laughs> so yeah. like, and, you know, your stores. But in the same way, like as Rio Ferdinand like famously said when someone asked him, I think it was something like, are you worried about playing away in Galatasaray or somewhere like that? And he said, no, because I played at Ninian Park against Cardiff a few, you know, a few weeks earlier or for Leeds or something. And I mean, it was so close in as well that the, when it was bouncing, you know, I would imagine the players can hear everything which is being said. I used to love it. I, it actually gave me an extra yard there. It's it weird. Just to love it. Just um, enjoyed enjoyed coming into the stadium. You know, it's weird. It was just I don't know there's why. Not, just there's not many not many stadiums like that now. There was there not many of those like kind of old classic stadiums. Nah, which, which almost create the atmosphere on their own. Yeah, I know what Celtic have done. They've got this. They've got the safe standing now, and they're again Celtic Park's got a great atmosphere when it's full. Um, but they've got safe standing. They've got a wee area where you know the fans congregate, which is I think that 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 does make a difference. Is that I was going to I was going to ask you that? Has that made a big difference for the is the, or a big change to the atmosphere having Celtic that Park standing was, section? Celtic Park was always good. I remember when I first came at Celtic Park. I was like, wow, this is something different. It was like a cauldron, um, and that wasn't. I mean, their atmosphere on Champions League nights is ridiculous. So, I mean, it wasn't even the they always had a decent atmosphere and decent games against Aberdeen. So um, that actually prepared me for going to Wembley in terms of the, you know, just having that. It's, it's weird being in that uh, environment. It's, it's, it's hard just, to get the, just the size of it and the, and the atmosphere. The actual, it's actually, it takes a wee bit to get used to. Um, imagine if you're playing there every week, it'd be a great place. It's a tough place to go, um, especially when it's jumping. And you're, we used oh, to be. Yeah. There used to be a song that was like, um, it was just a little tune that they played when Celtic scored, and I used to have nightmares about that tune. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got beat four or five there a few times. And that's that's what the song after they scored. It was like, oh no, it's going gonna, it's gonna to haunt me that music. Every time I hear it, I will just get me chills in my back. <laughs> I think, um, in fairness, most teams in the Scottish Premier League 
got four or five put on him by Celtic or Rangers back in them days. Yeah, they were proper good teams when I first came at the side um, in terms of... I was going to say, when, when you were playing for Aberdeen, they were both very, very good, weren't they? Well, they were just packed with internationals, as in, you know, the Dutch internationals and, you know... Thinking back of the team, you had Larson, who ended up playing at Barcelona. Um, you know, Sutton played at the top level. John Hartson, you know that that Celtic team was the biggest, most physical team I've ever ever played against, and one of the best teams in terms of the way they played football. Mm. Uh, it was they were they were proper team. Um, that's the team that ended up going to the UEFA Cup final against. It was Valencia or Seville, I think. Seville, I think. yeah, I think one of the Spanish teams, wasn't it? Yeah, they, um, but like even Rangers had like Brian Loudrup and um, and Gaza yeah, and people yeah, like that. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, you had Arteta playing in the midfield. Uh, De Boer, you know, De Boer came. Um, you know, so some, some team in it. Yeah, that's some proper football. I mean, Van Brockers was there. Barcelona, he ends up playing with so. You know, playing in those sort of those games were was brilliant for me. I was only about eighteen, nineteen, so some of the it was a steep learning curve, mind you, but it was it was good. It was some experience. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I was going to say it's a it's a good way to learn because you got to learn on the job, haven't you? You got to learn quick because yeah, I was, they'll punish you. I had a manager at Aberdeen who used to pick me to be a man marker. Just <laughs> so I used to have to mark their, anybody's, whenever I played Rangers, I had to mark the best player or whoever it was that was doing well at the time. Uh, we played Celtic, had to do the same. So I was always tough to mark man mark Petrov or man mark Barry Ferguson or Arteta. And it was just, they must have been fed up with me because I was, I was fit as anything and I could just I was just a rash just horrible yeah. I was on <laughs> made I was there basically I was their shadow I think by the end of the game I think Barry Ferguson was just like just get, get the fuck away from me <laughs> <laughs> didn't want to shake didn't want to shake your hand oh, touch the ball I think I was just running about just like <laughs> didn't touch didn't touch oh, the ball for the whole game that knackered chasing him by the time we won it back I was just I didn't want that <laughs> don't give it to like me that. I like that a lot but uh, he did a job did a job for the team and the, against that quality of player you need players like yourself who can do that job because otherwise they will stick four, five, six on you and sometimes they still will, but yeah, you've got to yeah, have that definitely. tactical side of it, isn't it? I was um, I was quite good at that job, um, just making life life difficult for other people. That was just <laughs> running, running. <laughs> I was I was my role basically in the team. <laughs> right at that stage. <laughs> just the thing is, just go and be a pain in the ass for ninety minutes. <laughs> I think like eighteen year olds are good at that though, and they just being a pain. So <laughs> I was good at after. Yeah, I say this. The thing is, you were playing first team football at like eighteen, nineteen. That's you know that's the aim, isn't it? Whether they want you to do X, Y, and Z I, job. I played. I played six positions that season. I played left back, centre half, right back, right across the, the midfield. And I, I learned. 
actually learnt so much about the game as well in that period. It was it was tough, um, and I was I, I was never I never excelled at any of them positions. Just done all right. It was like whenever anybody was injured, though. So, so if the left midfield got injured, it was like you go out play there, just do your job. I never I never did anything wrong, but. You know, I was never, a, I was never an eight or a nine. <laughs> just, just so you, so you, so you were Aberdeen's Phil Neville, then, were you? Oh, I was, yeah, absolutely, Phil. Phil. What position did you favour? I like playing left back. It sounds weird. I played all my best football left back, and oh, it sounds bizarre for somebody who doesn't really have a great left foot. But um, just, I don't know why. I think. The pitch opens up, and because I used to play it, I brought up centre half, so everything the pitch was always open to me. Whereas at right back, you know, I just I don't know why I just felt closed off. I could only go back mm. there, you know, struggled a bit going forward. I think I found it easier to get forward on the left hand side, um, which yeah, yeah, I, I used to, I used to prefer, I got like no left, I used to prefer playing on the like left to midfield or like left forwards my and um, my son's the same he's right all right foot but he prefers to play left wing than he does on the mm. right yeah it's just one of them things yeah. okay um so we've done all the easy questions so we're going to move into the the proper questions now yeah the easy ones are gone <laughs> um no they're not they're not uh, they're not too bad they're not too bad um Okay, who's the biggest prick you've ever met within football over the, the over the years? Just nice, nice, easy one to start. As in, I guess, as an off the park or on the park, or that's just just generally. I think they mean general. within just within football. Could be an agent, could be a manager, could be a coach. Just someone who is a bit of a dick. <laughs> I don't know if, you know what he, he was I don't know if he was a, he would class him as a dick but he was just I just struggled with a guy called Steve Patterson at Aberdeen I'd just come back from injury I'd been I'd been out, I'd been out for six weeks and he just came in as manager um, and I, I was only I think I was only 18 at the time or 19 maybe maybe 19 but I came into the team uh, I came in after one of the games and he just Actually, I got man of the match, but for the first 15, 20 minutes, I was having a stinker, but I ended up getting man of the match. I didn't, I didn't think I really played that well, but anyway, I came in. We won 1-0 against the second division team in the cup, and he just came in and he just went, you should be embarrassed bringing that in here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but as I was coming in, I was trying to hide it because I thought I, I could just tell because... <laughs> It didn't really rate us anyway, so I could just see yeah. it in his face and bring it in. I thought, I better hide this. Put it on my top. I mean, it's like walking in my head. He just came for me and he, he just went, I, think, oh, I heard so much good things about you before I came and I've not seen it. And I was just like, I was only 19 at the time. I was like, and anyway, I, I, had, I had man of the match. I, I didn't play for a bit after that. Uh, and then. He got the sack, so I was. Like, no, I was delighted. <laughs> oh, if I, I met him, he, was, he wasn't a bad guy. He just, yeah, he just didn't have. He just didn't rate me at all. So it was hard. It just everything was hard. Everything I did felt like it was 
pissing in the wind, basically. So it does become hard, I think, doesn't it? If you, if your boss or your manager or your coach, if they don't rate you or they don't oh, think I'm you're sure. up to it, it's very, very difficult to, to change their mind. It was the same with Neil Lennon um, when I was at Bolton. Just I could tell after about two weeks he, was, he just was not having us up at all. I think we played Cardiff, so I couldn't play. I was obviously on loan from Bolton. We played Cardiff and couldn't play, so I came out that week. Uh, wasn't in the squad, and then never played again until three months later. <laughs> I got asked to play, and then I broke my leg um, in the game. So again. <laughs> He's, I just wasn't his cup of tea, so it was it just made life so difficult. And I couldn't leave the club either. I was I was tied in for the season, so it was like it's hard. Then I suppose is it? Well, the thing was, I wanted to go back to Cardiff, but I wouldn't be able to play. I could have just went back to Cardiff. Would have trained for the rest. Of the year. So with the final chance of playing, I just stayed at Bolton. I thought I'll just I'll soldier on and hopefully get a chance, but it just wasn't to be in the end. What um so. I uh, I wind uh, I wind Andy up on a weekly basis on a Monday because um, he's not a big fan of Dave Jones. They had uh, a few disagreements, should we say? And uh, I kind of wind him up about it a bit. But um, when I did a show with Reese Weston, he said a lot of similar stuff. And um, like I know in Reese's case, he was upset with the way that he was treated on his way out. He kind of found out from, I think, he, I can't remember if he said social media or he found out through someone else that he was going. Um, how did you find Dave Jones as a like as a, as a manager, as a guy or whatever? He was, again, he was always all right with me because... He, he liked you as a player though, didn't he? So, I suppose... I've always one of them, isn't it? It's hard. You just want to... For me, you want a manager to just be honest with you. If he doesn't rate you, then just say, listen, look, it's not going to happen for you. I'll just we'll try and find someone else where we can get somewhere yeah. else. And we'll just try and do it as easily as possible. If somebody just came up to say that to you, but other managers, they'll string you along. They'll just, you know, might need them in about a month's time. You know, yeah. might need them, you know, if three boys get injured. You yeah, know? yeah. And then you're just like wasting that. time then, isn't it? Just yeah, wasting yeah, that yeah. player's time. Guys, just wasting their time, man. It's you know, you become a com- you just become it's weird, you just become a commodity, really, just in terms of you know, your feelings and your actual <laughs> they go out the window. It's just you're just, yeah, they're just you using you come an item to them, which is mm. it's not what you want, really, in terms of you know, if you want to build a team, you don't want of that. Um, but Dave was always all right with me. I know a few boys who never. Never got on with Dave at all, um, and it was mainly because they weren't playing. And the reasons they never really gave reasons for not playing. So, it's... yeah. See, I think for me personally, that would really get to me if I like like you said there. If if the manager said, you know, I don't fancy you, or you're not good enough, yeah, whatever. I'll just you know, it's it's up to you to either find somewhere else or train hard enough to show that you are. But. It's, I don't know if I can handle the the being ignored or the the just not having a reason like why you're not being picked or you you're not yeah. playing or you're not not even considered like that would frustrate me and and I suppose that's the different side of football which people don't see on the outside from a like a mental health point of view as well isn't it like that's going to take a strain 
on just how you feel every day yeah. going into work and stuff. It was similar with, with Malky as well. I, I struggled under Malky in terms of that as well. Because, again, off the bat, he wasn't really, he wasn't really having me at all because he was, he liked his fullbacks to be attackers, sort of modern day fullbacks. I wasn't, I wasn't modern day fullback. I was, when I was concentrating on my job defensively, I was always half decent. But when I was asked to try and, you know, chip in with assists and my, the rest of my game sort of felt the strain of that, to be honest with you. I struggled a wee bit under Malky, um, and I didn't enjoy it. No, I didn't enjoy my time under Malky, even though I think he, he was doing the right things. Um, but again, I just there was an incident. I I played forty seven games the first season. Malky was there, um, and I went into I was in my last year. And I always I always like to get my contract sorted out either way, whether I'm going to be there or not. I just want to get it done, so I don't. Don't want me going on the pitch worrying about if I break my leg here. I've got, you know, about contracts. Six months left or whatever, yeah. yeah. Someone that I've been lucky enough that I, you know, I'd always tied in my contracts pretty quick. So I went in and I said to them, look, I'm in my last year. I've played 47 games last season. Just, are you going to offer us a new deal? He said, ah, listen, finances and stuff. We're not going to offer you anything just yet. We're going to wait to Christmas because of the finances. And then there was two lads on still two years left signing new deals two, two two weeks later. So I was just like, writing's on the wall here, and it was tough. That that even the the season we got promoted was the toughest in terms of mentally. I want to pick myself up because I remember um, I got dropped after. I think it was the Nottingham Forest that got dropped. Never, never said anything. Just, oh, actually, Mark Hudson came up to me uh, on the Friday and uh, said to me, uh, "Has he spoke to you yet?" And uh, no, he, he said to me, "Oh, why is why is he why is he dropping you tomorrow?" And I was like, "What do you mean?" Um, it's just, is he is he not spoke to you? He spoke to Matt Conley before he spoke to me, so he told Matt he was playing, but he hadn't told me I wasn't playing. So Huds, Matt, Matt had told Huds, and then Huds had told me. So I was still going into the game not knowing, I still not being told I'm not playing. I'd played the lot, obviously, the previous week, so as I was coming in, I could see him standing outside the changing room. I was like, he doesn't normally do that. And then I was in pretty early, so he just he pulled me aside and told me I wasn't playing as much. You know, I didn't make a scene about it. I never said anything. I just went, all right, fine. Um, well, I already knew. Before I went playing, I got told from somebody who told somebody else. So that was... And Malky never knew that either. He never knew I knew. So it was just one of the things. I, I, and another thing that happened was... Um, <laughs> when we got promoted, I was, uh, I was looking to sign uh, another year... Um, and the head of recruitment at the time <laughs> had gone through the same agency um, that my agent works for, looking for right backs. <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> 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 it was like, you know, they're looking for right backs. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's, that's poor, that is, isn't it? But they didn't know he, they didn't know he worked in the same agency. So, but I was. Mean, 
by then I, I'd been at Cardiff that long. I was just desperate to be involved in the, the team getting promoted. So I said, I'll, come, I'll stick it out. Uh, but yeah, I never worked out and ended up uh, going on loan. So just one of them out. That's the life of football. He's just have to deal with these things. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, like that, that, that last story, well, both of those stories actually are a bit, they're not great. Like, you shouldn't be finding out off your teammates that you've been dropped. Yeah. And then um, they shouldn't be kind of looking for a right back through your agency. Or something. You know, it, it, like you say, it is the life of the footballer. Um, I was surprised that Malky didn't fancy you because I, um, like, you know, like, like Alan said right at the start of the show, like you were, you know, you were hardworking, you gave it your all, you were fit, you were physical. And that was a lot of the attributes which, which Malky wanted from his team. Yeah. I think but, the one thing, the one thing I'm saying, Mark, Mark was always, he was never, he was never bad to me. I, was, I got him well with him. Um, but I think if he, if he weren't in his little, he, he was, like a lot of managers, I, I've been lucky enough to be in some of them managers' plans, you know, they get into this. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was maybe in the bubble. I've been in the bubble for a while, so I went towards, I went really towards the end of my career that I realised that, you know, it's, being on the fringes is not, it's not a nice experience and it's, it's maybe better being somewhere, um, you know, lower down divisions and being, you know, looked after than it is being on the fringes of the best teams. Because mm. it's tough. It is tough. Yes. Um, so, as I said at the start, I would go off on all these sorts of tangents and we'd end up talking about, like, random stories and stuff, which has meant that I haven't really asked you any any of the questions yet, which people have sent in. So I, I don't want to keep you too long. So I'm going right, to fly, fly through some of these questions. Um, who's the most famous person in your phone? Famous person in your phone. I'd actually probably say Robbie Fowler, but I can't think of anybody really more. He's he's quite famous. Yeah, he's quite famous. I don't think there's anybody else on my phone that's social well as well. He's up there. The man, obviously, a big name. Big name, but it's no, no anybody. You know, no, 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 no. Ollie's not on the speed dial, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> Give him a few rings, see he's getting on. Yeah, yeah. That was a, an interesting period, I've got to say. Um, you just, <laughs> just, just struggled. struggled. Him. Just, uh, <laughs> I got dropped one game. <laughs> I, I, Obviously, I came back from loan and uh, I played a few games on the spin. So I played, I think I played the toughest run of the, of the whole season. Played away at Arsenal, away at Man City, away at Man United. And I think we had Hall at home or something like that. Someone, you know. And uh, that game, I was, I was stood there getting my chicken and beans. Pre match meal. We used to get a pre match meal with Ollie in the stadium when I was stood there getting my chicken and beans. And, uh, it just felt like he tapped on his shoulder. It's like, it was a gaffer. It was a horrid gaffer. Just went, uh, you're not in the squad today, okay? Uh, you won't be playing. Okay. <laughs> and just walked away. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was wanting the, the bean spoons. I was just... <laughs> 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 just 
Oh, just end up getting a little bit of chicken on it. The next couple of spoonfuls of beans. I might as well just pull my boots. Oh, yeah, <laughs> wow. He, um, I gotta say, he looked completely out of his depth at Cardiff from a from a from the outside. Um, some of the players he brought in didn't look good enough and stuff like that, but he does look like he's starting to put it together at Man United now, which is I find fascinating to watch because he looked so out of his depth for Cardiff, yeah. <sighs> and then suddenly he looks like he might be starting to get to grips with it. For me, it was just, um, he tried to bring a lot of ideas the other Manchester United in with him, as in, you know, you're, you're not going to play this week like Alex Ferguson would do when they're playing Champions League, they're playing things. They've got loads of games. We didn't have loads of games, we weren't in cup competitions and that, so he was trying to do the same thing. He was just like, you're not going to play this week, but we've got this team in two weeks' time, so you'll play that game. Boys were like, you know, just so I'm not going to be playing for two weeks. So yeah. it was, um, yeah, some boys didn't really take them, but I just, I think he's obviously learnt from that experience and he's took something from that experience by the looks of it. Um, hopefully he's taken that into his, his job at Man United because at the end of the day, I don't wish him anything bad or anything, you know. Yeah, no, I think. Well, you know, it's didn't have a great time at Cardiff, but um, you know, there's one. But there. also, there, there's um, there's a difference between managing Man United and Cardiff, and there, you know, the like you say, there wasn't the games to rotate like that. And if anything, that's going to make players lose focus because they know, oh, I'm not playing for two weeks now. So, you know, yeah, you've obviously you've got Juan Bissaka, and then you've got Kevin McNaughton, so you've got the different. Well, Different level caliber levels, isn't it? It's Kevin McNaughton, <laughs> Kevin, Mc, Kevin McNaughton's up here, and Juan, Juan Bissaka's just starting out. Obviously, I don't need a lot of coaching, and he's got he's obviously yeah. up in the game. Then, <laughs> well, that's it. Solskjaer's talking him through every game, whereas what he was doing is to you, is giving you past, pasta and beans, and that was it. <laughs> you know, I was, I was on hand there with a spoon for the beans. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> See what, what what he was waiting for was he was waiting for you to serve him his pasta and beans. <laughs> and if you had done that, you'd have been in the squad. You know if I'd have known that, I would have been ready, and I would have just picked up wee bits, <laughs> just scooped it quickly, and just ran away before he actually pulled <laughs> <him> a <to> drop. <laughs> uh, one of the players he brought in was um, uh, Mats uh, Mats Molodari. Yeah, um, very, very, very highly rated, like yeah. super, super highly rated by nearly everybody. Um, but he just never really seemed to get a chance. Um, and certainly when Solskjaer left, he was he never got a real go of it. Was what was he like in training? He was technically really good. Yeah, he was. He was just. He was half decent. I just. He's just a strange character. He never really spoke to anybody. He always came in, he smiled, and he was just like, just really, just like a real, just like a kid, really. He was just like a kid coming in. Mm. Um, but I, I thought he was technically good, but he just, I just didn't think he was ready. He didn't really just be thrown into a team that was battling. The problem was Solskjaer came in and he just thought, right, we're just going to start playing now and we're just going to start doing things my way. But we had a we had a, a way of playing that was 
wasn't, it wasn't pretty, but it was, you know, we weren't in the relegation zone when, before Solskjaer came. We were just above it. So I was going to say Malky was never in the relegation zone, was he, at any point? Yeah, but you, you could argue we weren't playing great football, but listen, it's, that first season is supposed to stay up. It's all, that's what it's about. It's not about, you know, getting out of the league is exactly the same. It's, it's not about probably being pretty, it's about getting out of the, out of the league at the end of the day. And our job was to try and stay in the league. It wasn't, it wasn't about playing silky football. Mm. Certainly, I think that's where Malky became a wee bit undone as well. We signed in Gary Medell and it just... He was just too. He was too good for us as in a footballing player, and just came and he. I think he actually he started putting on weight. I think he was actually getting stressed playing with us. To be honest with you, just constantly saying yeah. he he'd learnt the the word pass fairly quickly. So that's pretty much all he used to say: pass, pass, pass. pass. Like, I, I was like saying to Gary, Gary, we don't do that here. See the channel. That's where we send the ball. Then we all we play. We play up there. Mate. We don't pass the ball back here. This is no. I'm no good at playing football. Puds, <laughs> he doesn't want to be playing football. Ben Turner won't be messing about with the back. Right? So let's just forget about passing it here, and we'll just think about passing it up there. Right, mate? Yeah. He was coming off. He was coming to Ben Turner and going, "Is it getting on?" And then he was passing it back. Ben was under under pressure. Ben was just like, "I don't want it." Yeah, it's just this is this is alien. So as much as he Gary was, was an unbelievable uh, player, just I was going to say he was very good. Wrong, a really wrong fit for Carter. Yeah, um, he's the sort of player they should have signed if they'd stayed up the following season to try and move on from playing that certain way. But they I, should have been trying to stay up first. I'd have played him at centre half. I'd play him as either a sweeper or a so everything's in front of him. So he's, he's, if anybody's getting the ball, you can give it back to him. The thing was, he was <laughs> he always he always gave pressure back to the back three because he wanted it yeah. all the time. So <laughs> there's but, no one behind him as well. Anybody, no, if you're, you're playing in Spain, if you're playing in Italy, where it is, your, your defenders are all good in the ball and they're quite happy to just keep the ball and keep playing it around the back. It's, it's, and get out the other side of the pitch, but it's just something that we weren't we weren't very good at, um, and it's it's probably why we didn't play that great football because we never really searched for the ball at the back, and we weren't used to the boys coming and getting it and just playing. We were very much a bit more direct, and um, we played played higher up the pitch. What was um, what was Kimbo Kimbo Kyung like? He was as a player. He was oh, he was on very very good. Very good. Oh, he's one of the strongest uh, guys holding the ball that I've seen in terms of... He used to play small-sided games, and if you had him on your team, you were absolutely laughing because he just rolled the ball on his feet that he wouldn't give it away. He's similar to Steve McPhail in the way he could just hold people off. Maka was really good at that, especially in small-sided games. He used to play training games where... If you had Stevie McPhail in your team, you were buzzing because you thought, you know, he's just, he would just keep the ball. Um, yeah. He was the same, just so strong. Um, but oh, he must he must have ate about five cloves of garlic every single night, I swear to God, because he came in the training in the morning and you could smell him before you could see him with the garlic. <laughs> I swear to God. Mm. 
It's mad, that is. He was scared of vampires, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> he was... Oh, he was a really good guy. You know, he's interpreter. I actually felt sorry for Kimbo because his interpreter just got on so well with the lads. He used to just leave Kimbo. And he just, just come walk about with the lads. Just, <laughs> just Kimbo, leave him on his own. Kimbo just used to stand, stand a bit like... The guy, I think his name was... He Hoon or something like that his name was, but we just called him Ian. He's a devil. Ian was a good lad. So, yeah, I felt a little bit sorry for him, but he was, he was a really nice lad. He was, he was a good player. He was, another, he, he was another one. He had that little period, didn't he, where he had a run of games. And he, I think he scored against Man United, didn't he? He scored the equaliser. Um against Man United in the one game. But then Towards the end of that, the season, we got promoted. He came in. Yeah, he was in the end. Um, yeah, yeah. I think he came in. No, he came in. Yeah, I think he came in the Premier League season, didn't he, in the really? summer, I think. Oh. I don't know. I might be wrong, though. I thought he came the season before. I might be wrong. Maybe. All I know, yeah. all I know is he, I know he scored against uh, Man United in the two-all draw. Because he scored the equaliser, it was like a yeah. header. Yeah, it was. It was. It was quite similar to Jordan much when he was when he was on the park. He was effective, but um, he didn't give you a lot. He didn't give you a lot going back to the park. So no, he was, he was a wee bit of luxury Kimbo in terms of going forward. He was good going forward, but if you if you weren't if you weren't giving you much going forward, you weren't giving you anything really because you never gave you yeah. anything. Back. Jordan match was unplayable on his day. Say, he's, yeah, he, he's frightening. He just always had a wee niggle, or he always had someone. He was just always suffering with someone. Uh, that was the only thing with Jordan. He used to just he head straight for the treatment room when he got in the training ground. Right, okay. Questions. Uh, biggest regret. Let's fly through some of these now. Biggest regret. Probably. Going to, uh, I don't read off a lot of regrets. I just think maybe Ever leaving Cardiff. Pro- probably going on loan to Bolton for a second time, but just I never worked out. And I always think to myself, I'd just stuck it out a wee bit longer at Cardiff. Then I'd maybe played another season or two, you know, because obviously Oli. I said to my agent before I left, I said I don't like Oli last year because it's gonna get good vibe as in fans and sort of. Everything. <laughs> yeah, just everything. I didn't think it didn't think it really suited. The... It wasn't a good fit, was it? Let's nah, I think it was a good fit. So said that before I left. I thought maybe we should just stick out for another couple of months because he, he, he said to me basically before we came in on loan boat, and then he said um, you're in the same position you were at the end of last season. You're, you're still not still got the same guys in front of you. So that's that just stuff. Don't really, I did never, I just didn't, I had enough for that sort of experience the season before, so it was hard, but just from somebody who was always in somebody's plans and always playing, it just, it just didn't feel right, I thought, oh, it's just, it's time to go, sort of thing, so I left, but looking back, maybe could have stuck out for another year and just try to fight my way back in the team. Uh, best moment in your career? Oh, there's, there's been a few. Um, obviously, promotion night was good. FA Cup was. I was I was always a big fan of FA Cup 
final football, as in they used to love all the build-up, watch it on the telly before the, the game, watch all the guys with their new suits and everything. So that for me was just, it was surreal. Eh? It was just, is this really actually happening? Sort of thing. Um, yeah, so that was that was a major one. And then um, obviously get promoted that. And get my first Scotland cap as well. That was, again, yeah. a surreal moment. Getting the old national anthem. It was good. Did you um, did you play in the Carling Cup final against Liverpool? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was um, that was an up and down day, wasn't it? I'd only watched that for the first time a few months back. Um, Incredible. Yeah. It was just it was weird. Just because it was slap banging and felt like it was slap banging in the middle of the season. Our concentration was really on trying to get promoted. So that. It was weird. We, ch- we chatted the night before the game. We just all we said to each other was just just stay in the game as long as we can. Um, don't really worry if we lose a goal, we lose a goal, sort of thing. We just said that before the game. It was just like, and we had a nightmare. We had trouble getting to the stadium, and for me, I, I was a proper panic merchant in terms of being ready and stuff. So I got to the stadium, and I was like, I've still got a rub. I've still. Doing stuff, still do this, still, and everything was just a rush. So we're out on the pitch before we out. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a blur that game. That game was a blur. Just remember, I skipped um, Pel- during I actually thought it was the for a, a glimmer. I thought, oh, we've, we've done this. Yeah, and I we did. Just, we've done this. I thought we've, we've cracked it, and then um, obviously. It just seemed really going up for a penalty. I could see the way he was walking. I was just like, really, you're you're dead on your feet. Shouldn't be yeah. taking a penalty. Um, and he just so, yeah. Just before we get to that, uh, those penalties. What um, what was it like uh, when Ben Turner scored for the players? Because I know as a fan, we went mental, and it was that I'll never forget that feeling of being inside Wembley, thinking that it's pretty much done and then Ben Turner just kind of bundling it in the back post yes because like what dreams are made I don't really it's, um, yeah. it's Roy the Rover stuff really <laughs> but yeah. that was oh, it's unbelievable you know there's, there's, there's times in games where you just you think to yourself it's, it's gone eh? you just think oh, we had our chance we just, it's gone and you just, Kenny, Kenny Miller missed that chance just oh, before didn't he I know that was the thing. You missed the chance, and um, you think to yourself, you maybe get one chance, you maybe get one more chance, and then uh, that in my head, I was, uh, I think I'd just come off. I just come off just before that. I think just before he scored, it just came off, um, and uh, he puts it in, and it's just like pandemonium. Really. Stuff. Yeah, it was quality. It was brilliant. Going um, going back to the penalties quickly before we go yeah. back to questions. I'm just wary of keeping you for so long, Meg. Nah, so yeah, having a glass of wine. I'm happy. Excellent. That's cool. Um, Anthony Gerrard took loads of abuse from from Cardiff fans uh, after missing that penalty. Um, obviously, because he's a scouser and because his cousin played on the other team and this, that and the other. And, I, you know, don't get me wrong, Andy Gerrard does not help himself sometimes with some of the stuff that he says and does. Um, but i got to be honest, I felt 
as a fan from the outside that the abuse he took was bang out of order. Um, he had the guts to take it, and he, you know, he didn't want to miss it. I would imagine. But what was the what was the opinion from like within the squad with regards to the abuse he was taking afterwards? I, I think Ulysses really took a lot of abuse, to be honest with you. Um, did you know? He did. Nah, I didn't, I didn't get the... Well, I, was it was that through social media? Uh, yeah, I what? think a lot of it was. And I, I think a little bit, like, out and about and stuff. But. Yeah. I can, it's just one of the things. There's the best players in the world. You know, Roberto Baggio missed the penalty. Yeah. World Cup final, you know, so... Better players than Anthony Gerrard played missed penalties, you know. <laughs> yeah, Lionel Messi, I'm sure, missed a penalty. It's just one of them things. Like, can't do it when, when penalties when penalties come up. You just you're just putting it in the lap of the gods, you know. So as a, that's why I do is when I watch a team ice sport take penalties, it's just they're just throwing the dice because yeah. the only guy who I always. Banked on was wet, was wet scoring a penalty every time. Oh, I yes, just, I just felt he was just always in control of his motions, which I think you do. You need to be if you're taking balls. Even Kenny Kenny Miller missed two penalties, but he, he was actually he, he said to me, actually, he, he struck it as well as he wanted to hit it. He just actually he said, I don't know if I hit it too clean or what. I just I, I thought it was going in when I hit it. It just, just Kenny missed two penalties. He missed two penalties. And, you missed the penalty in the, the semi as well, if I can remember. Mm. Yeah, and the thing is for Gerard as well, is if he scores that, he's a hero, Cardiff win, and it's the big story about how he scored against uh, you know, the so team I, I he scored. It would have been another penalty, it would have been Sunday for it. Yeah, Sunday. Yeah, but what I mean is, like, you know, like the story would have been different if he scores and people would have classed him as like a some yeah. you know oh he's super professional because he scored against the team he supports and yeah. again it's just for me penalties penalties or penalties you just, just I, I, never, I never ever as a teammate and but never blamed anybody for missing a penalty never ever never mm -hmm. ever never ever crossed my mind if anything i've actually felt sorry for the lads who missed um would you have taken one if you were still on yeah i would have it was always all right at penalties. If you watch, if you see the, the, the testimonial game, you see me putting one right in the top bin. <laughs> yeah, I think I took right. a bit. My first uh, tour to Canada with Cardiff, I, um, I took a penalty in a friend in the game as well. Just, it was obviously slightly less pressure than Wembley with 89,000 people. <laughs> just a wee bit. Um, but I was, I, I was quite confident when I came to penalties, but never really had the opportunity actually i said i think i said i was the i was the sudden death in the semis i think i was taken it was the sixth penalty i was due to take so thankfully I never came to that yeah well probably wouldn't have seen the final <laughs> <laughs> um, any teammates that you didn't really get on with and why not necessarily from cardiff just from any team that you played for? I think I've ever, it's not been anybody who never really got them. There's obviously guys who just, you just weren't close to, you just never really. Yeah, like you just don't click with or whatever, but yeah, doesn't mean you don't like them. No, I, the one thing I, somebody came up to me and said, you're, 
why do you and Juan Cala have a really bad relationship? I was like, I never, I never had a bad relationship with him. He just couldn't, he couldn't take my sense of humour. Um, he, he wore a rugby top in the training one time. <laughs> he wore a rugby top in the training one time. And I think it just, <laughs> on my Instagram as he was still getting his dinner, <laughs> took a picture of him and said, <laughs> me and Juan are going away for a game of rugger. <laughs> <laughs> but I tagged him in it and he just took total offence to it, complete offence. But I'm really bad with that. So if somebody, if I see somebody getting wind up, I'll just keep keep, keep going. Oh, I go again and again. And I did the same. I did the same with somebody else. <laughs> it was Jordan Much. Yeah, I did the same with Jordan Much. Uh, I think he was quite particular about his weight and I had this fat face up in my phone. So I had a picture of John. <laughs> And I put the fat face on him, and he just kept changing the group icon to Jordan's <laughs> fat face. And he just, for some reason, he just, he was texting the lads and somebody take that off. <laughs> he wasn't, so that, for me, that is just not like, a red rag to bull. So I just kept going after him. Uh, and it was similar with Juan, I just... I don't know. I just, I just, he was a good, good player though, wasn't he? Um, he was a good player. Carla. It just um, I couldn't take a joke. It just didn't take my. I, didn't, I feel bad now. I've obviously got a wee bit older. Why shouldn't have really, should have really bummed them up? But it just uh, yeah. Way, it's probably it's probably more like the probably lost a bit in translation, isn't it? Like yeah. The, the, the sense of humour part of it. Get the message back saying you have no respect or something like that. It just, it was just after that, it was just every time. I think actually, oh, I can't remember what else. I did someone else and I don't think he was really happy at all. I can't remember what it was. But oh, it just didn't go down well. Not long after that, you were sent on loan to Bolton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, any manager that you ever fell out with and why? I've never, I've never had a proper fall out with anybody. Um, just, just wasn't in my nature, really. I, mm. Even if somebody did me wrong, I just, I just thought to myself, well, what's the point? Couldn't really be bothered. I was never really, didn't like, I just didn't like that sort of thing. So, nah, I wouldn't say there was anybody manager in terms of falling out with. I got on my most, and I think it would. We'd have a half decent relationship speaking to boys after football as well. So, okay. Uh, so Neil Fleming, this is a bit difficult for me to, yeah, I'm... to ask because he says, um, "What movie is this?" And it's a, a mobile yeah. phone, a red apple, and a... well, it's the story behind that because Neil's my mate, and we've got okay. a WhatsApp group together. Um, and I posted an emoji quiz. It was one of them. Oh, yeah, where you got to guess what the translation yeah, so, is like. Like, what do you think that film is? Uh, I'm rubbish at stuff like this. So yeah. uh, let me have a look. Phone, <laughs> Apple, Tears. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm terrible right. at things. It would take, me, take me about 20 minutes to do it. Well, my brother is in this chat, and my brother is horrendous at this. So bad at it. Honestly, some of the answers he gave. And uh, for that question, it's uh, the answer is Steve Jobs, okay? And uh, <laughs> his answer was Snow White for some reason. 
<laughs> it was a quiz master. I was just like, <laughs> Steve, yeah, Steve Jobs. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. I can't remember that Snow White there being an iPhone. I don't know. Just looking back mm-hmm. on it, I just I can't. No, I can't see the Snow White. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, anyways, but just, <laughs> that, that's what that question means. So <laughs> there we go. Uh, Rob Sweetman says, "What happens when you drop a watch in a pint glass?" So we had a. I don't know if you've seen. We had a five. I, I came down to one of the games uh, with five of my mates who I played football with a junior team that I played football with towards the, the end of my career. Uh, well, just played juniors for about a season, but my legs were gone. So anyway, I said to a lad at the club, I said, "I've got five of my mates coming down from a football team. Uh, can you get us tickets?" Uh, so the lads, Mark Denman at Cardiff said, well, why don't we just do a bit of fun and we'll invite five supporters to come play five sides against you. We'll do a competition. So I did a competition anyway. We came down on Friday, had a few drinks, obviously, Stephen. Mm-hmm. And then we played the five sides on the Saturday. And then oh, I was painful. Fun. We won 8-1, I swear, and it's probably the best I've played in my career. Got highlights of me scoring and giving three assists. Uh, it's incredible, but anyway. Should have got pissed up the night before when you were playing. <laughs> well. <laughs> that, should have been, that should have been your routine and your, your you know, superstitions. Really, in, in hindsight, that was probably a bad move, but uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, so we said to the lads who we were playing against, said, we'll go to the stadium, we'll get drunk together anyway. So we're having a few drinks, but one of my mates starts playing this daft game where you, he takes his watch off and he, you've got to cover your pint glass. And if you put if he puts his watch in your pint glass, you've got to down your pint with the watch in it. And the, the watch is this old rusty thing, and it's so if you're drinking the pint, it tastes it actually tastes of rust. Uh, oh, so you were drinking you were down a pint of rust basically. So that's the boy Rob. Um, he was playing against us for a five-side team. Ah, so, so he was obviously talking about that. Um, one of the forfeits from a drinking game. Um, it's not. It's not something. Pint of rest. It wasn't. It wasn't a Rolex. It was being used. No. Um, I think it was. A, it was a Casio. <laughs> a rusty Casio. A rusty Casio. I think it was. Oof. It was not nice. Uh, what else we got? Well, these are easy. Um, Alex James says, uh, how many wives did you shag? Um, 20,000. I've been busy. <laughs> There's loads of grey-haired youngsters running about. <laughs> <laughs> Just all in the same, like, different, different classes. And Listen, so- in about 18 years, I'm going to go back down. I'm just going to bump into loads of you guys with grey hair. About 18. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if your son or daughter is prematurely grey, <laughs> asking some serious questions. <laughs> did um, so? Follow-up question to that: Did any Cardiff fans ever legitimately offer you a night with their wife? Oh, it was oh every time I went on a night out, it was. It was, <laughs> it was always, always had to get. I always had to get a picture with her wife. So Absolutely. Could you get a picture of my wife just so I could put it on my Facebook? <laughs> Excellent. What interesting. Do you, um, them. 
do you remember when that song first sort of started to do the rounds or when you became aware of it i was i think it was the season i got player of the year was i think it was that season because it become quite a big thing um yeah it was, it was just funny well it's one of the all-time greats <laughs> so. sometimes football fans like not just card fans football fans generally they just come up with some just incredible witty like songs and they're just like classics and then yeah some good as long as very very clever uh former card city midfielder gavin ray says uh what flavor was on the hot dog at chase town yeah so when <laughs> When I scored the OG at Chase Town for their opening goal, you might capture it. I think if you if you ever see the highlights of it, just watch closely because I'm lying on the ground. I just scored an OG and a, a hot dog from the stand. It's <laughs> getting zung right off my shoulder. <laughs> Lands right next to us. <laughs> I just remember thinking to myself, oh no, I don't know what's worse the OG or fact getting zung with a hot dog right up. <laughs> I was just praying that nobody filmed it or caught it on camera, me getting hit in the head before he... <laughs> and it did. A hot dog. Excellent. Um, quick plug, Gavin uh, Gavin Ray, been on the show before, and uh, I'll put a link to his show. It'll be just above Kevin's head, by there, well, by there. I did what Alan was doing, going the wrong way. Just above Kevin's head, you'll see a link to the to the Gavin Ray show. There you go. Uh, where were we, Gavin Ray? Uh, Aidan Brown says, who is the best player you have played with? There's been a few. Well, I think I like to think of it over stages of my career. When I, was first, when I first got sort of put into the first team, there was a guy called Ian Jess who played for Aberdeen. Ian Jess. Do you know what? As a as a wee little Welshman, sorry to interrupt you, mate. Um, as a wee little Welshman in Cardiff, um, he was. Uh, I used to love him. Young Jess. I don't know why. Don't know how I came across him, or from probably from stickers like Panini stickers or something. But he was the man. I I used to model my uh, model my run on him back in the day. But anyway, sorry to interrupt you, mate. Yeah. Well. When I first got the first team, he was there, and he was obviously coming to the end of his career. But still, he was just—you meet some guys who play and train, and you just think he's just—he's too good for us, sort of thing. And he was one of them. Where the first time I ever played against somebody, I thought, I know what you're going to do, but I still can't get near you. You're that good. Mm. Um, and that was for me. That was from all the good players that I played against. That was the difference. Was you actually? You can't do a lot about what they're actually doing. It was the way they've got a skill, they've got something to do where you just can't, you just can't get near them. So, um, yeah, he was the first, and then uh, as I sort of progressed and went to Cardiff, the next guy who actually ah, there, was, there, was, there was a few at Cardiff when I first went down. You know who really surprised me when I first went down? Paul Parry really surprised me. Very, very good. Came from non-league Hereford as well. Honestly, I, I knew nothing about Paul from within about just a couple of friendlies. I was like, oh my God, he's just left foot, right foot, just 
bang and broke and he's that left foot coming in off the right, it's brilliant. Um and obviously chops. Chops for me was he's not yeah, sure. natural talent. I'd seen if he did yeah if he'd have just maintained his form in the first season throughout the whole season, I think he would have probably carried us right through um to get Do you know what? I thought if he hadn't left to go to you know he had two spells to me at Cardiff. Yeah, I I do feel that if he hadn't left, because uh, he I think was it Sunderland he went to for like a year, and then but he came back. Yeah, I do I do feel that if he had stayed, we probably would have gone up because at the end of that first period he was just on fire. It was like everything which he touched seemed to go in, and uh, but yeah, it is what it is. I suppose him yeah. and Bothroyd up front though. Jay as well. Jay was special. Yeah, James special, but you, you had, you had flaws. Just in terms of consistency, especially when he was at Cardiff. Well, Cardiff, he was, he was all right. He went through a spell where the best spell he had was when he just just before he got his uh, England cap. Yeah, you know, that was as good a spell as I've seen for anybody who have played with. But he just, he just didn't have it in him to just do it for the whole season. That was the only problem with you. I just think that's what let him down over the years. Just. What um, what was he like? Was it like an attitude thing, or was it like a like a lazy like? Did he not put the work in, or was it just he just didn't wasn't able to put it together for long periods of time? Do you think? It's the reason why Jay never played at a higher level. Just, I just don't think he was. I don't know what is. There's something that you you have to have in you to just. If you've got talent, you have to have something else. It's just not talent's not good enough. Talent will get you to Jay's level, which was championship. Um, with me, I, I I wouldn't say I was talented. I was just was quite. I just used the assets that I had to my advantage, which was just my hard work, my fitness, and things like that. And it was all right. It wasn't, it wasn't anything great. It was all right. Defender, read the game quite well. That was that was me. So I knew my limitations. But him, he was. There was no ceiling for him, so really he should have probably pushed on a bit more and really he should have kicked on. But he still had a good career, don't get me wrong, but I still think he could have maybe gone on further. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was just interested in it, only because he's one of the best players I've ever seen play for Cardiff in yeah. terms of He's one of the best I've ever played with as well, um, yeah. Like truly, well. truly outstanding player. Um but yeah. when you look at it, kind of, when you look back at it now, and you realise that he only, you know, he only played for England once, and he didn't go from Cardiff to, you know, like a, an Arsenal or a Man United or whoever, you know, like a big club in the Premier League. Yeah, no, but it's the mental side of the game is just as important. And yeah, I mean, you'll get guys who. He'll have good careers just based on the back of that. And working in the academies just now, I, I actually look for that. I look for that more than anything else. Just well, the mental that, side of it. Ah, just just somebody who can just just keep going, keep going through. If they make a mistake, just shake it off. Or says, you know, resilience. Resilience is a having resilience in football is massive because the amount of you know you. 
it's not always going to be plain sailing. If you sort of if you've got somebody who just gives up after them, you know, like, it's not happening today. I'll give it up. Hmm. It's not happening. I'll yeah. just chuck the towel. And, you know, you've got to be resilient. You know, like I said to you, but managers and stuff, managers there, you still got to come in. You've still got to try and get yourself back to the team. It's never easy, but you've still got to. Yeah, you got to keep going. Um, Ashley Gifford says, uh, what did he always think of the Cardiff chance they had for him? We kind of just touched on that a minute ago, but yeah, just uh, just fucking funny, really, to be honest with you. My wife didn't like them, did she know? Actually, didn't mind, but no, no, funny. It's, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, it's so funny. Uh, Johnny Wish says, uh, what was your wildest night out as a Cardiff player? Oh, well, a few. Um, there's a few stories there. <laughs> uh, we got to the FA Cup final. Um, obviously, just we got we got to the final. We got beat. It was it was tough going, but um, we ended up just we just we ended up back at the Chelsea Harbour Hotel. So came back. Um, and Peter Ridgedale had put on loads of drinks, so it was just a big pile of, there was a big island full of drinks, so everybody was just getting hammered. And anyway, the, the night's dragging on a bit, everybody's going up to their beds, and then uh, the guy at reception grabs me, gives me a tap on the shoulder, says, um, you're going to go and get your teammate. And somebody just keeps singing, shouting at the top of his voice. And I was drunk, I was drunk, so I was like, yeah, so it's, it's usually me. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to go and get uh, to, to see who it is and I just see Stephen Thompson getting escorted out of this bar that was your know, residence bar. So there's still a couple of people in it. So I've his wife was in his room with a newborn who's only about, oh. about three or four weeks old, okay? No. You know, Stephen's the big lad, so I've got Stephen on my shoulder basically carrying him into the lift he leans against the lift door um, and he's just like basically balanced against it <laughs> I'm steaming as well so I'm having a laugh and then the lift door opens and he just goes falls down like a tree uh, and <laughs> he just wouldn't get up he just wouldn't get up I was, I was just like Tomo come on we need to get, I need to get you to your room I need to get to your room and he just went up, and I was drunk as well. So maybe me, I tied his shoelaces together. And I was like, "Come on, you need to go." <laughs> <laughs> he tries to get up, falls over again, and and then he just lies there. So I was like, "I want to go back downstairs. I want to go back down and get have a few beers in the bar." So I grabbed him by the legs, and I'm dragging him along uh, this hotel corridor, <laughs> trying to find his room. <laughs> Told the lad, so like, I all I could hear from him is moaning. He's getting carpet buns on his back. So he's just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> he's shouting, "It buns! It buns!" <laughs> but then I, I realised that I've got a chappy's door, and his wife's in there with a little one. So just like tapping on this door, his messes opens up, and he's obviously Tom was lying on the floor, and I'm just like. Just, 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 like, just, 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 just,
messages his agent. But the next morning, he, he messaged me and says, what the hell happened last night? <laughs> well, I, I got you to your room and said, I, I know, but I, was, I woke up on the floor and I went to go to the bathroom and I fell over. Somebody's tied my shoelaces together. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. He got in the morning. He tied a walk. That is superb. There was a million. There was a million with Tomo. Even that next day, Jesus. We went into the mayor's house, and it was like, oh, it was carnage. It was loads of uh, loads of porcelain dogs, and we just (laughs) we're in the mayor's house, and we're just like putting dogs everywhere. Dogs. It was a piano with a dog who sat playing it. It's like <laughs> the mayor's invited us into, into this house and that's completely not a carnage. Oh dear. What was it like that day when um when Tomo was that was down the bay, wasn't it? When um he was playing guitar on the was it on the bus or the stage or something? That was after we got promoted, oh, I think, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, next morning after obviously um FA Cup final was brilliant. The bus back, we're all hung over as anything. We just said to the driver, mate, just stop at Asda. So we've gone to Asda and we just filled the trolley up full of beer and stuff. <laughs> got, got absolutely wellied on the way back. Um, <laughs> yeah. But one of my mates uh, is a big QPR fan, so he gave me the Q, uh, a QPR top and said, could you get Trevor Sinclair to sign the Keep your top, but Trevor, when he's got a drink, of him is mental. So I give, I said to Trevor, "Could you sign this QPR top?" Um, he's went, "I'll give you that." And he's he stuck it on, and it was so it was skin tight. <laughs> QPR top. Uh. <laughs> he, was, he was pretending he grabbed the two sides of the seats, and he pretended he was pretending to do overhead kicks in the middle of the bus. <laughs> I sent a picture to my mate of uh, Trevor Sinclair in that QPR top doing an overhead kick on the bus. Excellent. <laughs> I was delighted. And then yeah, obviously just went to the signature. Yeah, went to the bay and it was oh, it was it was a good day. Messy. Uh Johnny Wish also says, uh, nastiest player you've ever played against and with. Uh it was he was, I say nasty, but he was just, did a lot of things off the ball. It was a guy called Fernando Rickson. He's, he's passed away now, sadly, but he was just, he was a hard nut, a real hard nut. Uh, tough competitor, but it was a few times. It was one time I just ran past him and he's honestly just went, he just caught me on the shoulder, honestly. I mean, he caught me on the chin, I was gone. It was KO'd. And I was only young at the time. I was only about 18. So I, was, I was just like, What's going on? What's going on here? He, he, two seconds later, he just cleaned one of our players out. And he was, oh, he was such a... Oh, it was a hard nut, a hard nut on the pitch. Um, the one I played with... Uh, <laughs> Philip, Philip Kiss. <laughs> Philip Kiss was not... He's the nicest guy in the world. As soon as he got in the football park, he just wanted... He'd tackle anybody. Tackle his grand. If his grand was on the ball, he'd put his grand just to win it. And it was when he first when he was first playing with Cal, I think it was about five or six games in a row where he should have been booked. And he'd gone six games without getting booked. And I was like, 
Every time he went for a tackle, I was like, oh my God. Kissy. <laughs> You're flirting with getting red cards. He was, uh, Kissy, he was good. He was, uh, he was a great lad, Kissy. Yeah, I, I, used to, I used to be a massive fan. Um, yeah, he's, he's sort of an iconic guy, isn't he? Just yeah, like a cult, cult status, didn't he? Yeah. Um, Johnny Wish also asked, uh, biggest wasted talent that didn't, didn't live up to potential that you've uh, either played with or seen? Wasted talent? Um, I don't know. I don't know really. Um... Were you there? With, did Leon Jean come through when you were there? No. No, I think he was before you, wasn't he? I've just started the game of champ manager. Leon Jean's in it. Just started with just started with Cardiff and this quality player. Liam Jean, he's yeah, he's got decent stats on there. What year? What year? Um, what year? Championship manager? One, oh, one or two? Yeah, that's the one. I just I downloaded it yesterday. Yeah, I downloaded it. Thought I'm just going up the walls here, being stuck in. So I've just taken Cardiff to the Premier League, doing a great job. That. I haven't. Uh, oh, that's it. Easy. Um. So no one springs to mind that you can think of where you've kind of. <sighs> I'm just trying to think of anybody who was built up. There was a lot of boys built up. It wasn't really their fault. Um, especially young players. I've seen a lot of young players. And I got worried when Aaron Ramsey was getting touted for a lot of things. I was like, don't build this guy up because they always fall short. But he just went, Shh. he just kept going, which is great. So there were so many boys I played with who were tipped. Even myself, I was like, oh, there was boys saying that. I think... Somebody said to me um, there was a there was a, a Lazio scout with a game watching you. Today. I was like, there was not a Lazio <laughs> scout with a game watching me. Trust me. The right man. If they're looking for yes. the man, really <laughs> um, what else we got? Uh, Huey Thomas, do you think the city of Cardiff? Is a help or a hindrance in attracting players? Lots of people seem to have an image of it that is thirty or forty years out of date. No, uh, one for me. I just I came down for the medical and had a wee wander about. It was good. Um, I just I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was a lovely place. Well, I come from Dundee, which is within a big city, so I mean, home from home really for me. I know, I know a lot of lads who have, who've been based in England. They're used to having lots of clubs around them, so it's less travelling. I think that's maybe when you have to come to Cardiff, you have to live in Cardiff. In terms yeah. of, I know a lot of guys move clubs and they just stay at home. Um, but generally, if you're if you're signed, it was a good thing as well, though, because um, they, they brought a lot of the families together because they were all in the same boat. They were away from their families and things like that. So that just was found. Found that a lot of the families uh, who signed with Cardiff, they all keep in touch, and they all. It was, when I moved to Bolton, it wasn't like that. It was totally different. Well, funny enough, they um, like Willie Boland um, got me and me and my wife together back in the day because she worked in uh, a pub in Radder, which Cav and his missus and family used to drink in with Gabs and. Um, and Andy Campbell and a couple of other people and they all used to go down there like on the days off and that mm -hmm. with the families and that so it's interesting you should mention that 
that they're being in Cardiff means. Well, a lot of the guys from Scotland who come down and you know that the, the wives really who suffered just got nothing really other than each other. So they make they, a lot of them make strong ties, especially at Cardiff. It was it was actually I think it was Dan Purse sort of introduced that sort of try to get all the families together, try to do things together, and um, yeah, it's and it's sort of it's continued on if anything else and. By the looks of it, it seems it's like that now still as well. Uh, Nin, take my teeth out. Ninian, uh, eighteen eighty nine asks, "Who was your idol growing up?" Uh, Derek Cantona was my idol, sort of growing up. Just, uh, I don't know what it was just a bit of arrogance and a bit of swagger and a bit of this and that. And I was a bit of a Man U fan when I was younger, as in. Just Alex Ferguson being a Scot, we down there. Um, Aberdeen. Yeah, Aberdeen. So, yeah, so it was a bit of a Man U fan. It was before they were actually, before they started winning every night. I suddenly, I just liked the look of their strip. My dad said to me, just pick the Man United strip for some reason. They gave you a pick of loads of strips one Christmas. Um, and they became my team for a bit. But, um, yeah, so that was that. And Eric Cantona. Just have the collar up when I was playing my schoolboys. <laughs> thought it was Cantona. <laughs> when I got uh, Christmas, when I uh, confirmation, you got to pick a saint, and um, okay, so you you pick a name of a saint, and I looked through the book. I was desperate to find Saint Eric, and there was a Saint Eric, so there was doing confirmation names. <laughs> Excellent. I think that's you- the, the priest. Even was like Saint Eric. Sure. <laughs> is that a same? Yeah. <laughs> did you have your collar up in the collar up as you got confirmed? There was a there was a good there was a big Scottish contingent at Cardiff that won there uh, for a while. Yeah. There was like Gavin Ray, you uh, Neil Alexander, and obviously David Marshall after that as well. Um there was a couple. Of, there was more than that, though, wasn't there? Yes, it was Chrissy Burke, Steve McLean. That's it. Yeah, Stephen Thompson. Yeah, Paul Quinn, Ross McCormack. Ross McCormack, what a player on his day! Yeah. What a player. Um, okay, that gone. Sorry. No, sorry. I was just saying it was, it was actually quite a few. Yeah, it was quite a few of the years. Um, okay, last literally last couple of questions now, mate. I really appreciate your time, and I know um like when everyone hears this and listens to it they'll enjoy it as well um so peaches asks uh what's your opinion on uh head impacts in terms of there being talk of kids being banned from header in the football well that should be a study to be fair i think i've been knocked out about 15 times <laughs> Oof, that, um, that is not good are you going to donate your brain for yeah, CPA? I think it should be fair um, what's left of it? <laughs> you are um, no, being uh, being dead, deadly serious with that. Um, like with CTE and stuff, you can't. Um, it can't be diagnosed until after. Nah, nah, after death, nah. Gonna. So I mean, if you've been knocked out fifteen times, I'd say you would be a good study. Yeah, I I got knocked out twice at Aberdeen, and I got I got a bad one at Cardiff, where I was just all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. remember that. He was staggering. Yeah, it was great. Um, no, I've had a bit. I've had, I've had a really lot of 
head knocks over the years. But um, yeah, so yeah, I, it's hard because I've seen guys who are about 17, 18 who don't actually know how to head the ball because yeah. they've not been working on it. So they end up heading the ball with this part of their head, which it's a soft part. So it also puts you at more risk. That's to... what I mean. if, if you're if you've got actually good technique, you shouldn't really it shouldn't actually hurt if you're hitting it with this part of your head. Then it's no, it's a thick part of your brain, a thick part of your skull. So, and the thing yeah. is, if you're going down like that, and a defender comes in to header it at the same time, you're exposing the the soft part of your head to the yeah. defenders' arms and heads and yeah, stuff. Which listen, safety is obviously paramount these days and. Like with anything else, you just you don't really want to take chances. So I can get that. I can get why they've done it. And um, yeah, you just got to support it. So again, maybe you should look at even introducing softer balls or something like that, just to work on the technique. You could do stuff like that, but there's no thought of things like that. You can maybe just even get a sponge ball in, but they're working on just working yeah, on just get the techniques spot on. Yeah. So if you get your technique good, then. That you shouldn't hurt yourself, you know. So if your technique's bad, it's generally what happens is you hurt yourself. Um, JD asks, "Who is your favourite porn or adult film star?" There you go. Porn star. Porn star. Favourite porn star, and he says. If you say you don't have one, you're lying. I don't. That's a bit harsh, but I don't have a favourite. Don't really don't take take tabs or anything like that or anything over the years where I thought, you know what? They're my favourite. She's the one. She's the one. She's the one. She's. I'm gonna find her someday. I'm gonna marry her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna look up her name and I'm gonna find her. She's the keeper. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What a strange question. People ask some weird shit. Um, Pedophile hunter groups, good or a bad thing? Pedophile hunting? Hunter groups, you know, like the ones which oh. go like on YouTube and that, and they... I get, I get these things, and listen, it's the ones that if they get it wrong, then, well, you know, just how life, life's over. Yeah, there's, there's, there's people who have committed suicide because they've been wrongly uh, wrongly accused, or you know. So just leave it to the authorities. I, I get, I get why. I get. Listen, I get this. I get this as well because I'm a parent as well. If something happened to my kids, the first to pick up a bat and go around the house. But mm. um, nah, just it's, it's hard because you've, you've just got watching. If, if it's if it's not true, or if they've got their wires crossed, then it affects somebody else's life, so you've got to watch it, so you've got to be careful. Yeah, it's a tricky one, especially like with the families and stuff of that person. It's yeah. like they're left to pick up the pieces and that. Um, and finally, last two questions. Uh, was, do you know who Count Dankula is? Count Dracula? Dankula. He's Dankula. the Scot Scottish fella who, to annoy his girlfriend... He taught his pug to respond every time he said something. I think he said something in German. The dog would lift his paw as if he was doing like a the I forgot what it's called. Like the like what the Nazis used to do, like the salute. Um, 
and he so basically he trained his dog to lift his paw, but but he only trained him to do it when he said some German phrase, okay. and then he made a, obviously filmed it because that's what people do; they film everything. Um, and he got charged and nearly sent to prison, I believe, uh, for inciting racial hatred or something like that. And he basically did it as a joke to annoy his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Do you think that is taking kind of like political correctness too far? Yeah, for that. By the sounds yeah. of it, just a joke, but I don't know why people need to film things all the time. They film everything, do you? Yeah, it doesn't need to be done. They like, say as they, as they film something. No, nah, but just things like... Um, just pointless stuff, isn't it? It's like people taking videos of them doing a workout and stuff like that. It's just like, I can't even be bothered doing a workout. Why would they want to watch you doing one? You know? Yeah. Or, or the the other one is taking pictures of food. I, I yeah, want to eat. I just want to eat you know my what? food. The one thing I would take a picture of is I'm, I like mistakes. So there was a, there was a massive, I bought this steak, I think in an Argentinian steak restaurant and I genuinely thought, I'm not going to be able to finish this. So I took a picture before and after. I thought, we'll have a go at this. And it was, oh, it was, it was tough going. But I got there. They, they just they didn't eat the grizzle, though, which should have really just, I want to complete the challenge. Just take a picture of that, though. You can excuse that, can't you? Because it's Yeah, like, but I know what you're saying with that one. It's like my, my missus likes taking pictures of food as in she makes. Like, yeah, well, that's t- but that's different when you like you make something, like whether if you make a cake or you make a you cook something like that's slightly different. It's it's when people go into a like a cafe or a restaurant or whatever, they order food and then before they eat it, they've got to take photos of each of the dishes. And I, I can't yeah, do yeah, that. No, yeah, no. Just get on and eat it for God's sake. I've, um, probably, got, I've probably got pictures somewhere of me taking pictures of food. Okay, last last question. Is Boris Johnson doing a good job considering what he's had to deal with? He's just doing what you've been told. Isn't it? So, isn't, I mean, he's, I just think he's just on a delay. He's on a he's on about three day delay. It's just yeah, I think his Wi Fi is just not connected to the router properly. He just seems to be doing things uh, just as <laughs> reactive. As opposed to proactive, indeed, and that's the thing, isn't it? It's yes. like it should have been really everybody saying, "Oh, why we're we not shutting down? Why we're we doing this? Why we're we not?" And then the next day we're doing it eventually. Why do we not just jump the well, gun? Yeah. Why do we not just do something a little bit quicker? You yeah. know, let's let's do it before it like spreads everywhere and kills everyone. I think it's the worst is probably yet to come for because it's. Yeah, they reckon it's going to peak in May, I think, or around Easter time. But yeah. it's what it is. Yeah. Um, Kevin, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, what's the address of your website? It is. I don't actually know. Uh, I think I've got it somewhere. Um, is it kevmac.bigcartel? Yes, that's the one. Dot com. I'll um I'll put links in the descriptions to Super Kev's uh, website. Yeah. What's your Twitter? You need anything? Give it a go. Give it a go. Indeed. 
And uh, you can find Kev on Twitter at Kev McNaughton. And you can find me on Twitter at AceCast underscore Nation. Same on Instagram, facebook.com slash AceCast Nation. Uh, every Monday, 7.30, live on Facebook and YouTube, the Andy Campbell Championship Show. Join us for an interactive football experience. All our shows, youtube.com slash Ace Podcast Nation. Please subscribe. Click the bell so you get notified every time we get to upload or go live. And uh, again, I thank Kevin for his time. And uh, thank you guys for listening, watching. And uh, we'll see you for the next episode. Cheers, Kev. Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.